Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Chapel podcast. We hope this message inspires, challenges, and encourages you while giving you practical steps to take in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. All right, quick question. How many have already fired up the grill this year, 2020? Anyone? All right, I see some hands, right? How many of you, this is spiritual, stick with me. I'm just kind of getting you ready for lunch. Um, How many of you prefer um, a charcoal grill? Raise your hand. Okay, there's some passion there. Um, How many of you prefer a gas grill? How many of you prefer a pellet smoker? Oh, wow. Okay. You guys are all hoity-toity. I'm just kidding. How many of you just like something good to eat off the grill? Okay. Right. Yeah. Amen. I knew that was coming, by the way. So my dad, uh, and I talk about him a lot because he's just a wealth of great stories and reminders for me, but um, he would tell me when I, uh, and this is when I was a kid, and with no disrespect to him, I just didn't really care too much about this life lesson he was giving me, but apparently it stuck that he would say, son, the best grills are Weber grills, the charcoal grills, son, they are the best. You stack up the, the, the yeah, I hear some of the fans. Um, they work the best, they, they get hot and all this stuff, and I'm like, I just want to eat, dad. Uh, can, 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 you say, can you save the life-changing parable for after we eat? No, I didn't say it. So he would tell me, and, uh, and so I, I'd go through it, and then there's this huge fire in the Oakland Hills when I was a teenager, and it made the news that some of the only things that made it through this fire were the shells of Weber grills, right? The handles will melt it off, the wheels, leg. And he's like, see, son, see? See, this is the best, best grill ever. I'm like, yes, dad, it's the best ever. Jesus made this grill, right? And so, I, I, you know, and then my youth pastor would jump on it and I would help him, you know, we'd be at a youth event and I would stand there in the smoke of the, the grill as he's grilling food for the youth group and he would say the Weber grills are the best and I'm like are you guys getting paid I don't know getting paid and uh, but then he he would drop this life lesson on me and he did it multiple times and I I love him for it but he'd say Wes when we get all of these charcoal this briquettes whatever you call them and and you put them in a stack and then you put all the lighter fluid on them and then you light them, and if, as long as you keep them in that stack, they just burn hot. I mean, hot. And, I mean, you could cook. You know, you could cook some meat for hours. And then he would grab his tongs. I remember this like yesterday. He would take one off, and he would put it off to the side. And he goes, but Wes, when you take one off the stack and you put it, put it by itself, it's amazing how fast it cools off. And uh, apparently it has stuck with me all these years, but it provides such a fundamental truth that sometimes I don't feel like myself and us, we fully embrace. That when you remove yourself from the fellowship or community or connectivity of other believers, it is easy to cool off. It is easy to cool off, right? We are like those, those briquettes. We need each other, right? Uh, we need to be part of a group. We need to be connected you and I were not made for isolation. You were not made to live in isolation. 
I'll tell you one of the, the weirdest experiences I had is when I went to Alcatraz um, as a kid and we tour Alcatraz. I was there on a tour. Uh, <laughs> no, not unpaid parking tickets, but I went and they put us in a solitary confinement cell and then shut the door. And I mean, it was dark, and it was like instantly lonely, and you could see why that would be a severe form of punishment, because we're not made to live in isolation. We are not created to cope with isolation. We don't do it very well. In fact, uh, and if anything, I walked away. I walked away with several life principles from COVID or reminders, but that was one of them, is that we were not made to do life apart, Right, I, I remember the first Sunday back in the building like it was yesterday, and I was so excited to see everyone. I mean, like, I mean, I've been here a long time, and it, but I, I was so excited. I'd been preaching for months, just staring at a camera, uh, and, 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 and then pushing it to all your homes on the weekend. And I'm like, when I begin to see people, you're like, I, you know, I just wanted to hug everyone. I was so excited because we don't do well when we're alone. Studies show that people uh, that are in isolation or lonely people tend to be more hostile. That's interesting. Lonely pe uh, people are prone to higher blood pressure as well as uh, increased levels of stress. Studies show that loneliness can affect your sleep. They also say as you get older, loneliness could even affect your cognitive abilities. And I would just want to say it again, and I'm being redundant on purpose, is that you were not created to do life alone. Right? You weren't. And um, so you and I need life-giving connections that we could experience uh, in our relationship with others. And I would just say from the onset here that this uh, message is for everyone, regardless of your personality type or your Enneagram number, right? We tend to hide behind those things and say we don't need this or we don't need that. But what I'm telling you is, is that we all need people. And even if you're an introvert, that doesn't mean you're to live on an island by yourself with Wilson the volleyball, right? <laughs> now, I will confess there are days that I wish I could go hide for a couple of days on an island with just Wilson the volleyball, but that's not how we're supposed to live. So as we wrap up today's series, Planted, I'm going to unpack some thoughts, and I believe that if we could get this talk, that all the previous talks have a higher likelihood of actually sticking in our lives, and uh, the, there's an increased chance that we could continue to grow our roots deep in Jesus, and so one, if you haven't uh, been up to date with the talks, you can go on harvestchapel.net and check those out, and number two, I want to really challenge you kindly to engage today, to really listen, and to be sure not to fall into the trap of, I'm glad he's preaching on this because that guy over there really needs it, right, that... <laughs> We need this one today. So let me pray, and then we'll dive right in. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us. Help us learn. Help us apply. Help us leave here changed in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Right? You and I both know in many ways um, we're more connected now than we've ever been in, in some regards. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, FaceTime, social media, um, all of those things help you uh, stay connected with people all around the world. Um, 
my daughter's at college. You guys hear about it all the time because I miss her so much, but uh, we talk on FaceTime. And what's interesting with my two older daughters, they'll call me on FaceTime when they're doing other things just to chat, like just to hold me hostage, you know? Um, I, I get seasick when Maddie uh, puts me on FaceTime. I mean, motion sickness, right? I mean, I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing, I'm just grocery shopping. I'm like, do you need to be talking to me when you're at Walmart? Whatever, right? But last uh, Thursday, Danette and I and Maddie were eating lunch, and Maddie pulled up Lexi on FaceTime, and we're talking to her, and we're eating lunch. So that's kind of cool, kind of stay connected. On the other side, though, we're more disconnected than we've ever been. I mean, we, we are isolated. We're living lives totally disconnected from others, and it's beginning to take its toll. 46% of Americans say they struggle with loneliness. 46%. I mean, it's literally like taking this section over here, and these are all the lonely people, right? That's a lot of people, right? 43% of Americans say that they don't feel like their relationships have any real meaning, right? They lack meaning. And here's what I just want to submit to you as we get rolling is it doesn't have to be this way, right? It doesn't have, you don't have to live a lonely life, right? You don't have to live in isolation. It doesn't have to be. Your life can be characterized by meaningful, life-giving, vibrant relationships. And I want you to know that's God's will for your life. That's God's plan. So today, all that to say there's five connections that we need to be working on and engaged in on a consistent basis. Uh, these are five communities or five circles that we need to be a part of. And if you could get the picture of the Olympic uh, a logo where all the rings are connected, all of these circles are connected. So let's jump in, and I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, the first one, this is super important. You and I, we need to be involved in a community of worship. What is a community of worship? This. I'm talking about this. It is imperative, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to make your local church a priority. One more time. It's important for us to make coming to church a priority. All right. I'll pay all of you afterwards, right? I mean, but this is one of those things that as a believer in Jesus Christ, to be totally and completely countercultural, counterculture in our environment is to say, I'm going to be committed to the house of God. In our culture these days, it's, 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 it's so fashionable to just make it an add-on. But if you look in the Bible, the gathering of the believers was central. We have drifted a long ways, right? It's important to come together and experience corporate worship. Some of you go, well, I could worship in the woods. I could worship in my deer stand. I could worship on the lake. I could worship, I could, you know, yes, because God is that amazing. God is that big. And I want you to worship every day. Every day. He deserves our worship every day. God, I want to do whatever I need to do to put a smile on your face. You're worthy of all my worship. That is not, that is it. That's true. But what I am saying is this is important too. There's nothing that could replace the assembling of the saints when we exalt the name of Jesus. Amen. Right? And I'm telling you, we need to recapture the significance of the local church. I will say to you, I'll be the first one to admit the local church is far from perfect because we have imperfect people leading it and imperfect people attending it, Amen. right? So if you're looking for a perfect church, you just messed it up when you walked in. I'm just saying, right? We need one another. Now, I understand completely that I'm talking to people that are already in church. So maybe I need to go find all those that weren't here today and share this, right? So I don't want to belabor this, but I do want to encourage you and say, let's do this more often. Let's make gathering a priority on the weekends, right? 
And believe me, I want you to go on vacation and I want you to rest. I want you all those things. But as much as you can control, make worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ a weekly priority. Can I get an amen? amen? I want us to be like David when he says in Psalm 122, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Like I, I want us to get up on Sundays and not be like, ugh, it's church, ugh right i want us to be like it's on let's go let's pray before we get there let's get the junk out of our lives before we get there let's come ready and expecting for god to show up and show off in a real way are you with me man i think it would change things all right so number two we need to be included in a circle of acceptance a community of grace and i'm talking about we all need a group of people uh, who will love you love me as we are right and I think this is important. People that will just accept you as you are. People who will forgive you when you need to be forgiven. If I get to choose to be around people that will show me grace versus people that just will never let things go, I want to be with the people that show grace. Are you with me? Right? We all need to show, receive, and show biblical grace. Danette and I had this long talk yesterday morning about how many, and it's easy for us to, so I wasn't pointing fingers at everyone else. It's like, and it talks about, Jesus talks about in scripture, is like, how can we be forgiven much and then forgive so little? How can we receive so much of God's grace and then lack so much grace with other people? I mean, you talk about one thing that will make all of us instant hypocrites uh, by celebrating God's grace in our lives but not showing grace to anyone else. Are you with me? Has anyone ever wrestled with that? I think it's interesting. Uh, now, we need circles that show us grace. So typically... You could see this um, being your family, if they're believers. You could see it being a close group of friends. But we know that it doesn't always work out this way. Some of your families are, let's just be honest, kind of toxic or anti-God. Sometimes they're likely to be more critical than they are helpful or maybe more judgmental than gracious. And one, I'm really sorry. But we need to find ourselves in circles where people will love us and accept us and show grace to us. Listen to what Robin Williams, you remember Robin Williams? All right, sidetrack, his second service. Anyone remember Mork and Mindy? All right, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, listen to what Robin Williams said. I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. And he says it's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel alone. Oh, that quote just breaks my heart, right? So if you find yourself in this kind of situation, here's what I want you to do, right? One, I'm sorry. But number two, seek out those who are willing to accept you before they try to fix you, right? I'm gonna give you a free pastoral rant real quick. It drives me crazy when Christians come across to unbelievers and, and make them feel like you can't come to church until you get your act together. I hate that. I hate that. You know why? Because without God's grace, I will never have my act together. Amen. Right? It's like trying to clean a fish before you catch the fish. And I want you to know that Harvest Chapel is a place, no matter where you're at and your journey in life, that you could come and explore the life-changing teachings of Jesus. Amen. Right? And as a Christian, you need, to, you need to embody that with other people as well. We could love you, even when you're broken, because Jesus modeled that he loved us when we were all very broken, Amen. right? That's why we celebrate communion today. Just a good reminder. There's people in this room that have the capacity to love people. 
So if you're on the fringe and you're not really connected and you're allowing your past to beat you up or your current struggle to keep you from engaging, I want you to know, and I can say this with confidence, our church is full of people that love really, really well. Teenagers, if you're not involved in Mosaic, I'm telling you what, it will be the bright spot of your week to go on Wednesday nights to Mosaic. If you're not connected adults and you need some connection, I'm telling you our life groups are life-giving. Our ministry teams are great where you could serve with people that will add value. I, I think it's really important. I love what King Solomon said in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But listen to this. But pity the one, excuse me, but pity the man who falls and has no one to pick him up. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. I don't have anyone to pick me up. And so the first step for you is to make the right decision and take the step in the right direction to say, I'm going to be that for somebody. I'm going to be that friend. We hear it all the time, right? Well, we like Harvest, but it's a little too big and we can't make friends. No one's talking to me. It's, it's too big. It's this, uh, listen, here's what I'm gonna tell you and I'm gonna tell, I tell my kids this. If you want friends, ready? Be a friend. Right, that is free this morning, right? I mean, if you want a friend, be a friend, right? I mean, that is true. If you are like all sulking in the corner, there is no, there's a reason why no one's talking to you, right? Sometimes you've got to tell your face what Jesus has done in your heart, right? But if you want connections, connect. You need to, if you want something, you need to give something. Here's a biblical principle that I just love. And sometimes we bend on the negative on this. You've ever, maybe you've heard it. You reap what you sow. And I remember, my, I went to a Christian school, and my teachers were mean. Right? Maybe not like, I, they, they were mean. No, I, 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 when I was in trouble, they felt mean. But they used to say, because I talked a lot and blah, 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 blah whatever, you're going to reap what you sow. So I got three girls. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you read what you sow. So I grew up learning that from maybe that side. But what about the same principle on a positive side? Maybe if you want to feel loved, you need to sow love. If you want kindness, maybe you need to sow kindness. Right? I mean, you reap what you sow. Like if you want corn to come up in the summer, you got to put corn seeds in the ground if you want beans to come up you got to put bean seeds in the ground you will reap what you sow if you need a financial breakthrough in your life you will reap what you sow are we tracking so listen if you want to be loved and accepted go first go first we've all had to and it's not always easy but we get what we give now one of the things that we have to talk about because we lived in such upside down times is loving someone does not mean you always agree with everything they're about Amen. right loving someone doesn't even mean you agree with their lifestyles or their thought process here's here's a sign of maturity that you have the capacity to love someone that differs with you on politics Amen. right you could sit down and talk with someone that has a different view about filling the blank. God commands us to love one another. The devil's all about division. Amen. And we are so quick just to follow his lead. 
Love brings us together. I am not trying to make you like me. God's commanded me to love you and to be an accurate representation of Jesus. And it's God's job to convict and challenge someone's heart. Are you with me, right? So listen, let's be mature and love people well. We all need circles that we feel loved and accepted. And it goes, but we need to love people well. Start with you. All right, so you guys get number three. We need to choose a circle of influence, and we need to be really, really wise in who we allow to influence us. Now, everybody has influence. It's either good or it's bad. And so you could maybe ask yourself, and how am I influencing today? Am I a good influencer for the Lord or I'm not? I mean, that's something you could wrestle with. It's amazing to me to, uh, who we allow to be influencers. I mean, social media is a trip. Now we have the term social media influencers, right? And I just think it's wild how people in our culture could gain influence. And because they could be good at something over here, we prop them up to be influential over every area. And sometimes, you'll see this in the sports world, I love sports, we could have one of the best basketball players in the world, and then they'll shove a mic in front of this person and say, well, what's your view on this? Well, I don't want to hear his view on that. Right? I, I, that's, that's not his area where he should influence, and yet they do. And we allow someone who could shoot a good basketball to speak to things and influence the masses when maybe they're not even gifted or qualified to. Are you with me? This is not new, right? I mean, they've been using famous people or influential people to sell products all the time, right? I mean, all the time. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't remember ever choosing a soda because some famous guy drinks one. Right? I almost bought an, a, a Lincoln because Matthew McConaughey drives one. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> you know? Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was years ago, and Derek, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, Tiger Woods, was he was young, and he was a spokesperson for Buick. And I'm like, Tiger, are you really driving a Buick? You know, I've that, that, that stereotype of the Buicks for all your parents' car. But we use famous people to peddle things. But I think... We need to understand that not everyone should have equal influence in our lives, is the point. The chief influencer in our lives should be who? Jesus, right? right? What would Jesus do? I, I think this is important because I think as believers we know that, but because, and I'm not, I'm not picking here, but because of our lack of time spent with him, whether it's through prayer, worship, Bible reading, communing with God, because of the lack of time we spend with him, He's not always the primary influencer in our lives. And I think as a Christian, we need to make adjustments for that. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about serving. You know, if you're going to be planted, you've got to use your God-given gifts and talents to help the body of Christ, help those that are far from God, and so on. And we used a, a reference, uh, a scripture, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and he said, I have set uh, you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And I think that's an amazing principle. It's like, let's just follow Jesus and what he does, right? And so Jesus is a great influencer of our lives. He should be. We see other people in Scripture like the Apostle Paul. Paul even said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, right? I mean, Paul's just like, hey, yo, follow me as I follow Christ. Another translation says, imitate me, I love this, as I imitate Christ. And, and I think that's pretty good. I think it's kind of bold, and I think it's a goal we should all be able to, to grow towards. Like, hey, everyone, I'm far from perfect, but follow me as I follow Christ. Are you tracking? So here's the question. What should we look for in people we allow to influence us? 
right? What should we look for? And, 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 you know, here's two big ones. Does this person demonstrate the qualities and characteristics of Jesus? If no, should they really be an influence in your life? Number two, do I see the presence of God in this person's attitudes and actions? If not, should they be an influencer in your life, right? Not everyone should have equal influence in your life. So in order for us to be rightly connected to others in a way that supports our spiritual growth so we could grow deep roots, that we could be planted, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Who are my influences? Who am I allowed to speak into my life, right? Who do I listen to? Whose opinion do I value? And you hear me say it a lot of times, I'm being sarcastic, but there is some real truth to it. Not everyone's opinion in your life is equal, right? Not everyone's opinion is the same. Because not everyone's agendas or motives in sharing their opinions with you is the same. You need to be open, but you don't have to have uh, let the masses influence you. And this is common sense, leadership or discipleship 101. Another question, whose, whose example do I seek to follow? And I would say seek to follow those whose life reflects Jesus. That you see Jesus in them. And when I say that, I'm not talking about perfect people because outside of Jesus there's not one. But I'm talking about making sure those that you allow place to influence you to be, make sure they're rocking in the right direction. Tracking? Number four. We need to establish a circle of accountability. This is a big one, and it's not a fun topic to talk about in church because everyone kind of shuts down because no one wants to be accountable most of the time, right? We kind of, ugh, Right? Everybody needs to be accountable to somebody, but we can't be accountable to everybody, right? One of the things that I want to know if I go and take a new job, I want to know, and it's got to be definitive, who I work for. I don't want to work for 13 bosses. Are you with me? Right? It's hard enough to work for one boss at times, let alone all. I, who do I work for? So when I hire someone, I did this to Pastor Jeremiah uh, this week. I said, you answer to me. You don't have to worry about it's me. Okay, so we clear line, right? Because we know we can't be accountable to everybody. We can't, we can't do it. We teach our kids. Piper, when you go to school, you gotta listen to Mrs. Holland. She's your teacher. You gotta be respectful uh, to Mrs. Skelton. She's your principal. You, but you don't have to listen to every kid in your class because you're not accountable to them. Are, are you tracking? So this is a true in our personal and professional lives. We need to understand who we're accountable. The Bible says this, that so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Okay, time out, right? I don't know what kind of thoughts you get when you hear that statement that you and I are going to give an account to God for our lives. Now, I'm talking with you right now, not at you, but this is sometimes, this is the tape I played in my head. We're all in line, standing in front of God, right? We get to heaven. This is not right, by the way, so don't write this down. This is just the, this is the thought I've had. And depending on your age, he either has like a Betamax, a VHS, or a DVD of your life, right? And so if you're in the golden season of your life, you know, he slides that Betamax right into the VCR, or he puts that in, and then he shows you everything that you've done wrong. And people in the back of the line are going, I knew it, I knew it, right? That guy was a loser. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, right? We're, we're very clear in scripture that once you ask for forgiveness, it's forgiven, and he doesn't bring up again. Praise God. Don't you wish you were surrounded by people like that in your life? Okay, another message. So it's not going to be a low light reel of your life, but I think it's going to be a highlight reel of your life. You're going to give an account, and I'm so grateful for God's grace. 
But I also think it's good to establish relationships here with people that have permission to speak into our lives, to challenge us. I like to say to bust our chops when our chops need busting. Are you know what I'm saying? Someone that could go there, and I could tell you, uh, there has been people who have in every church I've been to that get mad and leave when they're ever held accountable for anything. And I want you to know something, and I'm and I'm being measured on purpose because I don't have an agenda other than you growing in your relationship with Jesus here, is that if you are not open for correction or being challenged or rebuked by someone in your life, you have already established a lid for your growth. Why? Because you and I are blessed with many blind spots. Right? We, we, we don't see it all the time. Someone in your life needs to be able to pull you aside and say, Wes, you're acting like a knucklehead. And I will promise you this, that I'll always push back. Always. And then I'm like, you're right. But you need people in your life. Paul said it this way. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, right? Sin, missing the mark, falling short of God's standards, right? So it's not just, you know, the worst. It's missing the mark. So if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. Everyone say gently. gently. This is important, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Other translations say you who are spiritual should restore that person. Here's the key to someone that you're accountable to is they have to have spiritual maturity. They have to be moving along in their faith. There's always someone in your life that will be extra critical. Right, look straight ahead right now. <clears throat> Jesus made this reference. Like, why are you poking at a speck in someone's eye when you got a giant log or a plank in yours? I'm not talking about those type of people. I'm talking about someone who's mature enough that you've given permission to challenge you, right? And I think it's even better when it's mutual because the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So who can these people be? They could include your spouse, I, I, you know, your spouse needs the permission to speak freely. And I'm telling you, sometimes it is the most difficult to hear those words from my wife. Come on, d don't act like you're all better than me right now, right? <laughs> right? You don't want to hear those things from your spouse. But I could tell you right now, no one loves me as much as Danette, and that's why she tells me when I'm being a knucklehead. Amen. Right? And she does it selectively and with love. You need friends in your life that you've given permission or you do life in such a way that they could challenge you. You need a pastor or a spiritual leader like a life group, your ministry head uh, that you work under or uh, serve under. Someone that could just challenge you, right? People that are mature, people that want the best for you. Like I can tell you when Danette challenges me, I know it's coming because she wants the best for me. She's not trying to chop my legs off. You know what I'm saying? She's not trying to bring me down. She's trying to build me up. And sometimes to be built up, it's a little painful at the time. Are you with me? Okay. Three of you. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> so in order for us to be rightly connected to others in a way that supports our growth, we need to ask ourselves, to whom, to whom am, I, uh, am I accountable to? Right? Who has permission to say, hey, You've missed church the last three weeks. You're not serving anymore. You're not in a life group. What are you doing? Are you all right? And not to beat them up, but to bring them up. And there's a big difference. 
To whom have you given permission to speak in your life, to speak over your life? Everybody needs someone that could just go there. Are you with me? Right? And I'm telling you, I don't know what it is other than the sinful nature is that we so often resent that. Right? We resent it and we push back. But I'm telling you, the more you push back correction and instruction and encouragement because all to be done in love, the more you push that back, the longer you're going to stay where you're at. And God's heart for you is not to stay where you're at, but for you to continue to grow. He loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Are we tracking? All right, one more thought. We need to develop a circle of outreach. This is huge to me. We don't want our lives to be so insulated and isolated that we're only surrounded by other Christians. It is imperative that we do life with other believers. That's an easy thing to show in Scripture. It's important. Life groups, Bible studies, all those things, it's so very important. But we are still to let our light shine. We are not a country club. We are not this, this Christian group that we're going to hide at 725 South County Lion Road in Sandwich, Illinois, and just wait for the glory bus to pick us up and take us home. Right? That's not who we are. And if your church background is that way, there's going to be maybe some interesting shifting and transition in what you hear from the platform. Because here's what I know. God saved you to send you on mission. And in my opinion, one of the huge problems of the church in America is that we are full-on mission drift. And we've got this mindset, whether we say it or not, that it's us for and no more. That's not us. In fact, I would submit to you that our church should never stop growing. Why? Because people matter to God, and if they matter to Him, they should matter to us. Right? Are you with me? Right? Like, it shouldn't matter that your neighbor or your spouse or a friend or a coworker is far from God because we, those that have given our lives to Jesus, understand the weight and the toil and the uh, of sin. And we should love God enough and people enough <coughs> to want to help them get out of that life. If you're tracking so far, say amen. amen. Right? So look at this verse here. Solomon said this. He was said to be the wisest man. Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise... And become wise. Doesn't that sound great? For a companion of fools suffer, uh, suffers harm. I love that. So you're like, see, if I want to be wise, I need to walk with the wise. So that means I'm just going to just insulate myself with all these Christians. And I do think there's that value of walking with the wise to become wise like that. But what if God's calling you to be wise so you could help someone else become wise? Amen. Instead of always a consumer, that you could be a contributor. Right? That's how we beat mission drift in the church, is that now we're going out and surrounding people, uh, ourselves with people that we're going to lift up, bring up, journey with, so they could find the life-changing freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. Right? You need to be the one lifting people around you. So, in this message, we talked about the qualities that you need to look at for the circles you need to choose. One more time. Those who love you and accept you as you are. You need people who love you and accept you. And you need to be that person. You need people that have an example that you'd want to follow, right? In, in, in the scripture, you see Paul and Timothy relationships all over. You need someone ahead of you, you need someone behind you, and you need to be navigating those kind of relationships. You need people that have integrity, and they can hold you accountable. Accountability is crucial. It is key for spiritual growth and development. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, there's not been any growth in my life that's been comfortable 
your lid for growth, in, in my opinion, in any endeavor, is directly tied to your ability to withstand the pain of change. Are you with me? If you want to grow in a talent, a hobby, work, your professional life, your walk with Jesus, the threshold of pain, how, how, how much can you handle? Because that's going to determine how far you could go. Why? Because it's always a little painful to change. Change means I'm acknowledging that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Change means I'm acknowledging that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Change means I'm acknowledging that I'm kind of in a rut. So there's that pain. And, and if you're not willing to kind of run headlong into that, that pain of, or discomfort of change, you're going to stay right where you're at. And I tell you, that's not what God has for you. And then we need to be the kind of people that are outward focused. We talk about this in our Connect class. We're a three-chair church. And, and, and this is important that you understand if you're new. And we use this tab a table as an example, and there's three chairs, three stools, whatever. One of them is an unbeliever, someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. And when we say unbeliever, that's not throwing stones. We're just acknowledging that you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus yet, right? No, and, and, and no stones thrown, just we... We know we've all been there before. That's one chair. Another chair is someone who's new to the Lord, a baby Christian. And there's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. That you, but at some point, you need to grow up, aren't, right? At some point, if you have babies, you want your baby to sleep through the night. At some point, you want your baby to be able to go to the restroom by themselves. And at some point, you don't want to have to pick up Cheerios from all over the living room. Are You know what I'm saying, right? It's a real picture of how God wants us to grow up, and it takes time. And then that third stool, third chair, is a mature believer, and that's someone who is doing their best to serve God with our whole heart, using their gifts and talents to propagate the message of hope in Jesus, right? A mature believer doesn't mean you're perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian at Harvest Chapel, but our goal uh, is to become more like Jesus, and you and I have both been called and commissioned and anointed to help people grow around the table. Are you with me? And so we need to have the posture of our heart that Jesus has for you, that people matter. And so we want to be his hands and feet extended. So as we wrap this up, let me give you a few quotes just to make you think here a little bit. Jim Rome once said, he, he was a personal development guru. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I can't quantify that for you, but I think that's an interesting quote. According to the research by a social psychologist, um, at Harvard, he said the people you consistently associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. You know, my dad just says you are who you hang with, right? Another way to say it, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think that's interesting because I could hear moms and dads and grandparents saying that to young people. But maybe that's more true for us adults than we like to admit. I think we need to create and connect in these circles with wisdom and intentionality. Ones that propel us to be more like Jesus and not pull us back. We were made for connection. We were made to do life together. And so maybe we could say, you show me, show me your connections or the circles that surround you and I'll show you your future. And I'm telling you, I'm taking that personal as well. Who am I surrounding myself with? So it's this interesting tension. One last verse, and I saved our key text for the last part here, and it's powerful. And I encourage you maybe to just review this passage a few times this week, maybe commit it to memory. The writer of Hebrews says in the 10th chapter, the 24th verse, he says this. 
let us consider, I love this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that. It's what we're about. How can we spur one another to good deeds? How can we stick together and facilitate stronger and more intentional relationships in the household of faith? And how can we keep in front of us that the time is short? Jesus is coming, right? I don't think we get so caught up on every end time event that we just lose all earthly good, but we need to remember that Jesus really is a soon coming king. And if you want to reflect the heart of the Lord in our community, in your family, you need to understand, yes, even the worst, whatever that is, even those that just have no regard for God, even though who they are, they still matter to Jesus. And as a result, they need to matter to us. So we continue as a church to be outward facing, right? And it's not to proselytize, no. We're throwing life preservers because Jesus is our hope. He's our life. He's our great physician. And we believe every person deserves an opportunity to come face to face with the reality that Jesus Christ loves them. Are you with me? And they deserve to be able to come to a church that they have something for their littles, that have something for their grade school kids, their middle school kids, their college kids groups to get connected they i think our community they 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 need a place where they could be invited to so they could experience the grace of god are you with me it's our job to invite and to bring and i pray that as we wrap this up that you would make this a matter of prayer for you this week who could i invite they could watch online right we got all kinds of opportunities online to watch or you could bring them with you and say this is what i do hey come and i'll get you some coffee right all right, that was a bad joke, but I'm just seeing if you're paying attention, right? Some of you, I lost you at grilling. So, so go back and listen to this this week. So I'm going to leave this here. We went a smidgen long, but this is what I encourage you to do. Evaluate your life and see how are you doing when it comes to connectivity? What circle do you need to work on? And I challenge you just to review your notes or listen to this again and and be honest before the Lord and make the necessary adjustments. All right, let's pray. Father, today, you, you again show yourself to be so faithful and merciful and gracious. And for that, King, I am so, so grateful. Lord, I pray that we could be a church. We could be a people that put a high prior, uh, priority on relationships and connectivity. And Lord, even though we may not know everybody at Harvest because of just the sheer numbers, but Lord, we could know somebody and we could be doing life and being connected with some people. And I pray, God, that for those that are struggling, they go first. For, Lord, those that are doing well, I pray they open their circles and embrace more. But, God, I pray that we could see the value of being a part of the body of Christ. We give you all the glory. We pray that everyone here and watching online, their week will be blessed. They will sense and feel the favor of heaven over every area of their life. And that, God, that we could be aware of your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a big hand clap of praise? Amen. 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 Thanks for coming today. Be patient with us as you get your kids out. And high five or fist bump someone on your way out. God bless you. You're dismissed.
Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Chapel, visit our website, harvestchapel.net. If you want to support any of the ministries at Harvest Chapel, you can do so by visiting harvestchapel.net slash give and choose from several of our giving options. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe. We have new messages every week. Feel free to share our message on any of your social media platforms and tag us at harvest.chapel. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless, and we'll see you next week.